Welcome to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ with minister Chris Palmer. Bernie Church of Christ meets for worship each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can find Bernie Church of Christ at 1 Upper Balconies Road, right next to Starbucks. Now, with today's message, here's Minister Chris Palmer. I want to extend a special greeting to all of our fathers and grandfathers and father figures and uncles and mentors who are here with us today. I want you to know that you are an indispensable part of every family. You are an irreplaceable part of the body of Christ. And if you hear nothing else this morning, I hope you leave knowing how appreciated you are, how worthy of respect you are, and how valuable you are. And I know this because through Jesus Christ, our God has made you worthy of appreciation. He has made you worthy of respect, and He has made you valuable. He has instilled in you the capacity to reflect His likeness. He has put His precious children in your care, and He has shared His title of Father with you. Happy Father's Day. If you go online, there is no shortage of lists of some of the best dads from pop culture, TV, and movies. These iconic dads that we've watched on screen and we've looked up to the fathers that they are, we've admired them, and we've maybe even sought to duplicate them in some way. Maybe as I say this, some dad is popping into your mind. Maybe you think of Andy Taylor and or Howard Cunningham. Maybe you think of Tim the Toolman Taylor or Gru. Maybe you think of Uncle Phil or Atticus Finch. Maybe during the holidays you think of Clark W. Griswold Jr. or Papa Elf. Maybe you think of Mufasa or, spoiler alert, Darth Vader. If you don't know already, I'm sorry, it's too, it's too late. I asked my boys, I said, when I, when I say, you know, think of what, what TV or movie dads come to mind for you, Graham said, uh, the dad from Phineas and Ferb, who, we don't know his name, is just Phineas and Ferb's dad, and Boston said, Michael Jordan, kind of, what? He says, you know, from Space Jam, and, uh, so, it's, yeah, so the greatest sports movie of all time. Um, but, you know, for me, when, when I think about who are those TV or movie dads that, that I've watched on screen and I admired them and, and I wanted to duplicate, for me, number one is Jonathan Kent. Uh, maybe you know him better like this or uh, another picture here. Or maybe, maybe you know him better like this. There you go. You know, you know who that is? Some, some are nodding. Now, his is a very important father from one of our most popular stories. You know, actually, he's one of those guys, you probably don't know him so much by who he is, but by his kid, who his kid is. Now, maybe you know him better like this. That's right. My number one favorite TV, movie, comic book, fictional father is Jonathan Kent, adopted father to Clark 
Superman, Kent. Now, you likely know Superman and his ability to leap tall buildings in a single bound. You know about his ice breath and laser vision, his incredible strength and speed. And all of those are super cool and awesome. I got to say, Superman is my favorite superhero. And all those abilities, those powers he got from his birth parents on Krypton. It's a whole story. I can tell you about it later. But his character he got from his mom and dad. Superman is super because of his abilities. But what makes him a hero is how he was raised. And if I had to pick any fictional father to be like, I want to be a dad like Jonathan Kent. I want to raise my kids to be heroic. I want to raise them to use their God-given abilities to make the world a better place. And I want their lives to outshine my own. Not by the jobs that they get, or the money that they make, or the power that they wield, but because of their character, because of their courage, and because of their faith. I want to be a dad who raises real supermen. I want to bear good fruit in the lives of my children, good fruit that lasts, even if it outlasts me. I want to cultivate in them a life of health and love and joy, of purpose and of calling. And whether they have kids of their own or not, I want to raise my boys in such a way that one day they mentor and raise up their own little super people, generation to generation, bearing good fruit, fruit that lasts. And the only way that I can do that as a father is by staying connected to Jesus Christ. For apart from him, I can do nothing. If you have your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. John 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here we have in John chapter 15, Jesus' final I am statement. I am the true vine. As with all of his other statements, this one uh, illuminates a unique aspect of his character and his purpose. And this statement also shows a beautiful, how beautiful our lives can be when we devote ourselves with Christ, to Christ, as he invites us into this profound relationship that he has with his heavenly Father. While easy to follow, this illustration of vines and branches and fruit and a farmer is full of hard truths and inspiring 
promises. Now, we've all seen vines and plants that produce a fruit. Uh, right now, in our backyard, we spent a lot of time in the yard last uh, yesterday. Right now, we have uh, jalapeno plants growing, little apple and lemon trees, tomato plants all over the place, as well as a garden full of colorful wildflowers. Jesus teaches that our relationship with him is just like any of those plants. You have the main vine, the true vine. That's the genuine stuff. And it's rooted deeply in the ground, strongly. And from there, it collects minerals and nutrients for growth. And the vine produces branches. And that's you and me. I love what he says in verse 5. He says, this is who I am, and that is who you are. Jesus identifies himself. He says, I am the true vine. And then he gives us an identity as well. He says, and you, you are the branches. We are endowed with a purpose, with value, and with expectation. You are the branches. And the branches, they reach out, they grow leaves, they collect sunlight. Most importantly, they produce fruit. But as we look a little closer at this simple illustration, we start to unpack it. It starts to get really challenging. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Without the vine, you got nothing. Do we believe this? Do we live our lives as if we believe this? You know, honestly, so many days pass where I am disappointed in my own life that I am not bearing good fruit, that my life is not producing the good stuff, that I'm not full of love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But usually, an honest look reveals that I'm trying to do life on my own. I'm not connected with Christ. I am apart from Him. So how do I determine this? How do any of us know if we are living apart from Christ? I try to ask myself a few questions. First, I ask, is my faith risky? Is my faith risky? Am I playing it so safe with my Christianity that it has become kind of bland, colorless, lifeless, boring? If I'm not taking risks for Jesus, then I'm not taking risks with Jesus. Inherent in faith is an element of risk. Faith is a brave step forward into the unknown. When we play it safe, we won't bear fruit. Now, what's that look like? And some examples. When we are transparent about our own sin struggles, that's risky, but it bears good fruit. When we step into a new role of service or ministry, that can be risky, but it bears good fruit. Studying something new and being challenged by Scripture, challenging our routines, or our habits, rearranging my schedule or my work so I allow more time for important relationships. You know, any time that I rely less on myself and more on Christ, it's risky, but it connects us with Him. And then we are better positioned to bear good fruit. Second, I also ask, is my faith lonely? Is my faith lonely? 
Do my conversations with others include talk about my walk with Jesus? Or when I talk to other people, is it just about whatever everyday stuff comes up? Am I continually communing with God in prayer? How lonely it is when we're not talking to our Heavenly Father. Am I discipling? or serving someone else, or in most of my time spent serving myself. And this means spending time and spending energy investing into someone else's spiritual health and well-being and their strength. When our faith becomes a strictly individual exercise and experience, we can't bear fruit. We are not bearing fruit. And you know, the pandemic has uniquely attacked our souls in this way, keeping us distant and isolated from one another. But thankfully, the Spirit of God has uniquely countered this attack with so many people increasing their efforts to reach out, connect, and support one another. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This abiding word, it means living together, being together in intimate closeness, dwelling with one another, and the branches cannot bear fruit by themselves. I cannot bear fruit by myself, is my faith lonely. Finally, I like to ask, am I being pruned? In a plant, valuable resources and energies are spent in the branches, which make a lot of leaves, but maybe not a lot of fruit. Now, you correct this by pruning. Pruning a plant involves cutting off the dead branches or the unproductive branches and trimming the productive branches so that the vine's nutrients can be used in fruit production. Jesus says, verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. You have been listening to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. To learn more about the Bernie Church of Christ, please visit BernieChurchOfChrist.org. Now, with the rest of today's message, here is Minister Chris Palmer. Jesus says that God is the vine dresser. He's the farmer. He does the pruning. Now, pruning can be tricky. Pruning can be difficult to spot in ourselves, which is another good reason why it's important not to walk alone. Having a faith partner can help us accurately identify if what we're going through is being, we're being pruned by God for his purposes. You see, sometimes we go through hardships, and it may feel like pruning. We go through pains and sorrows and struggles, and sometimes those experiences are pruning, and sometimes they aren't. It can be easy to slip into a victim mindset. We think everybody's out to get me and nobody's being fair to me. And uh, this situation, this is the way it's always going to be. Sometimes those pains are self-inflicted. And sometimes we're exaggerating. And sometimes life just stinks. 
but that doesn't mean we're being pruned. You see, pruning is very specific and it's very purposeful. God's pruning on our heart is God's, God's work on our heart. Some would say, many have said that it's, it's almost a surgery of sorts. God cutting out the bad stuff to promote spiritual health and spiritual prosperity. And this can take a few different forms. It can look like discipline, and discipline's not a bad thing when done properly. Disciplining your child is an act of love and protection. Through discipline, God cuts sin from our lives because no good fruit ever grows from sin. Fruit is full of life, whereas sin leads only to death. A pruning may look like failure. A project or an ambition that fails, maybe God redirecting us or unlocking some new potential or forcing us into a situation where we have to think creatively and innovatively. God's pruning matures us. It inspires us. It motivates us and spurs us on. God's pruning reveals lessons that we need to learn transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. If we're going through pain and it isn't doing any of that, then either we may be missing the point or it isn't God's pruning. Now the counterintuitive thing is that while pruning doesn't sound fun, it it doesn't sound like a pleasant experience to go through, we actually want to be pruned. Look again at what Jesus says, verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. If I'm not being pruned, then that's not a good sign. Maybe I am an unfruitful branch. Fruitful branches are pruned so that they can be more fruitful. Commentator Muriel Tinney wrote it this way. He says, as a farmer wields the pruning knife on his vine, so God cuts dead wood from among his saints and often cuts back the living wood so far that his methods seem cruel. Nevertheless, those from those who have suffered the most, there often comes the greatest fruitfulness. Now, that doesn't sound very fun, but it's true. Paul wrote Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, I'm going to bet that you, like me, don't usually rejoice in your sufferings, but Scripture promises that good comes from it. Suffering makes us stronger. Suffering shapes our character. Suffering gives us a reason to hope that the future will be better than what this earth has to offer, this world has to offer today. The world wants us to live as painlessly as possible because the world believes that this life is all that there is. But that's not Christ. Christ suffered And as Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 5, we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, and we also share in his comfort too. Pain is not the point of Christianity, but it is 
a part of it. Pruning can be painful, but it is also purposeful that you might bear more fruit. So is my faith risky? Is my faith lonely? And am I being pruned? Now, this may not be the end-all, be-all list or survey to assess your connectedness with Christ, but it should be enough to keep you busy for a while. But here's the really awesome part. The truth that fills me with so much encouragement and so much of the good kind of pride is that Jesus believes that you and I can be fruitful that we can bear good fruit. There is not a single branch in the family of Jesus that is not made without the capacity, or that is made without the capacity and ability to bear good fruit. So often I listen to that nagging voice in my head that says, I can't, I won't, I'm not. But that's not what Jesus says. Hear what Jesus says in chapter 15, verses 15 through the beginning of 16. He says, I no longer call you servants, Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything. I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Jesus calls us his friend and says that as such, you... And I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. This is something that Jesus says you can do. Jesus believes that you and I can actually do this. By ourselves, no way. What's he say? Apart from him, can't do anything. But abiding in him, as he abides in you, we are friends with Jesus and we can be abundantly fruitful, good, long-lasting fruit. We can produce beauty and life and color in this world, generation to generation, long after we're gone. The branches on the true vine produce a fruit, the fruit of the kingdom of Christ, a fruit that is so full of the good stuff that it goes on and on. You know, we have so many great fathers in our lives, in our congregation, who have influenced us and shaped us. They have filled our lives with joy and laughter, bringing the best dad jokes. They provide for us. They protect us. They teach us. The best thing they can do is stay connected to Jesus Christ, the true vine. Fathers who do that bear long-lasting fruit in the lives of their children. Fathers who do that make real supermen and superwomen. Fathers who do that show their children the way to eternal life. Last week, I posted a question on our Facebook page asking what our fathers and father figures have taught us about Jesus. How have they been an example to us of the true vine, or the branch, fruitful branch on the true vine? Here are the responses that I got. Linda Phillips says that a good father follows God's teachings. 
Ellen Rich said that his dad taught him to be generous when you are able with your time, service, finances, and forgiveness. Danny Wright said his dad taught him, spend some time in the book, and no matter the person, it's never wrong to do good. Johnny Curley wrote, I don't remember him lecturing me about work ethic. I do remember him working long hours and collapsing in his recliner after a hard day. He says, I don't remember him telling me how to love my children. I do remember that despite his work schedule, he had time to be a baseball coach, assistant scout man, uh, scoutmaster. I don't remember him lecturing me about being involved at church. But I do remember him serving on the church board, singing in the men's choir, volunteering to do whatever was needed when it arose. I don't remember him lecturing me about what true friendship was. I do remember him helping out his friends a lot. I don't remember him lecturing me about the importance of family. I do remember he and mother attending all Friday night football games because I was in the band. I do remember his excitement when visiting aunts, uncles, cousins, and so on. In short, it wasn't what he said that made a difference. It was the way he lived his life and included to see a good example. Jonathan Bean wrote that his dad taught him that Jesus was and is powerful, but under control. Mary Jett wrote, My father had the same tremors as I do. He got to where he couldn't write anymore. He never complained, though. He published the church bulletin every week, taught Bible classes, and always had people in our home. When there was a death or a tragedy, my father was a rock of strength for my mother and my siblings. At his funeral, countless people told my brothers and me that they were a Christian because of my dad. He taught us all about Jesus through this quiet life of service that he lived. I miss him. Sandra Sursa wrote, to be Christ-like is to be compassionate and caring for those in need. He was the best husband, caring for my blind and sick mother for the last 10-plus ten, ten years of his life. He led by example. Mona Gutierrez wrote, My dad taught me more indirect message about Jesus. No matter how bad he messed up, no matter what bad choices he made, no matter how hard life might be, he always believed. I saw it in his most intimate moments, and he displayed service always. He was so giving and helpful to so many. Mary, uh, Sarah Jett wrote, My dad adopted me after he married my mom, and he has loved me unconditionally as his daughter every day since. Tim Moore wrote, My father's example to me was to serve others with a kind heart. My dad was in uh, Houston for cancer treatments last Father's Day. Uh, we went down and visited him and had, uh, had dinner with him. We were socially distanced and covered in PPE. It was unique. <laughs> you know, when he was sick and when he was in the hospital and under great medical care with folks at uh, MD Anderson, we'd FaceTime with him often. And sometimes a nurse would walk in the room and uh, give him some medicine or, or check on, uh, you know, some... some machine. I don't understand. But they check something or give him something. And I could tell while we were FaceTiming, that person would come in. We could tell 
how uncomfortable he was being served. And my dad is a natural, quiet giver who doesn't seek praise or recognition. He's a true branch on the vine, one who seeks to serve and not to be served. We've been blessed by so many good fathers and father figures. And such a blessing from Abba, our Heavenly Father. And you know, that's what this really is all about. The vine, the branches, the fruit, the whole thing. It's about bringing glory and honor to our God, to our Heavenly Father. That was Jesus' mission, and it's ours, which is exactly what he says here in John chapter 15. And so I'll let Jesus close with this. John 15, verses 8 through 11. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, live in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for listening to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. You can join the Bernie Church of Christ here on Bernie Radio each Sunday at 11 a.m. or for worship online or in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To learn more about the Bernie Church of Christ, please visit BernieChurchOfChrist.org or call 830-249-2685. That is 830-249-2685. Thank you once again for listening to the Bernie Church of Christ.